0: Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about nightlife. I'm Alexa Ray Hack, I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she-her pronouns.
1: I'm Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they-them pronouns. And
0: today we're talking about 2012's VAMPS. Written and directed by our dearest Amy Heckerling. This will be the last Amy Heckerling movie on the proper feed.
1: Yeah, we got one more coming in the bonus episode, so go subscribe. You should definitely watch this movie. Definitely. Especially if you are into campy and... If you
0: watched Hairspray with us and you were like, I gotta get more of this. Well, let me tell you about Vamps.
1: Yeah. It's real good. It's now a comfort movie. I'm so happy with this movie.
0: Quick rundown of the plot, although the plot of this movie is kind of light. It's a little bit of like a sketch movie. But Goody and Stacy, played by Alicia Silverstone and Kristen Ritter respectively, are vampires in New York City, one older, one younger, who basically like fall in love and change the course of their lives to help the community around them and like to save the people that they love and care about. Uh, it's just yeah. in broad strokes, anyway.
1: It's very cute and very wholesome, and you get to see a lot of cool A-listers, which yeah, you didn't, I didn't expect.
0: Malcolm McDowell knitting and stuff.
1: Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. Subscribe to the Patreon. Bonus episode coming for this month is not our last Amy Heckerling yep. movie,
0: Loser from 2000.
1: Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. It's wild. We counted. This movie has six production logos at the beginning. Rough. I don't think something definitely went wrong if a movie has six production companies.
1: I don't know. I just think it means that you, like, really worked hard to find your funding because you really wanted to make this
0: movie. Yeah. Often it means that a single studio didn't believe in your project enough yeah to actually fund it and so you had to get little bits and bites of money people were willing to lose yeah from a bunch of places that might be part of it who knows um, I but i definitely could see how you could have trouble pitching this movie
1: yeah absolutely. this feels like
0: kind of an unpitchable movie i mean like i feel like the log line is like it's sex in the city with vampires yeah right yeah like, it's definitely more adult. I definitely feel like it's more Sex in the City than it is Clueless.
1: Yeah. It's definitely more adult.
0: It's definitely more adult. A lot of it takes place, like, out in clubs and stuff. I mean, yeah. that's the vampire thing also but
1: especially watching *Ridgemont high and clueless back to back and seeing like right. how much amy heckerling focuses on teenagerhood or yeah. like had a lot to say about teenagehood uh-huh. is really interesting comparing that to to this and and i
0: think this movie like all of her movies that we've watched interestingly are about youth i think yeah. that's the thing that's interesting and that grabbed me about this movie that i put it on the list is like it's not a movie about children and I don't usually like to do that but it's a movie that is fundamentally about youth and yeah. trying to stay young and reminiscing about a time when you were young and full of energy and you know they're they're constantly trying to like not let youth the sand of youth slip through their fingers you know yeah which is definitely a theme in Amy Heckerling movies especially when you're a filmmaker who primarily makes movies about children.
1: Yeah. No, totally. You can't
0: help but think about your own childhood and youth in general
1: yeah i think amy heckerling really knows how to use her actor as well and pulling in alicia silverstone again was really interesting and like playing on her being known for her youth and like for her roles in like clueless yeah she's iconically a teenager right right
0: and like the other thing i know her from is like batman forever right batman is it batman
1: forever i think it's batman forever
0: whichever one of those schumacher batman she was in batman's batman Batman. Batsman. <laughs> no, I think batsman is someone who like handles equipment for a for a baseball, baseball team. <laughs> batsman. <laughs> batsman is the name of a Jewish vampire. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I feel like it really helps that you can kind of tell that these two have an established relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know that I've ever seen Alicia Silverstone be this Kind of open and improvisational. Like I know this movie isn't improv but like she kind of has that like loose feel, and you don't usually get that. No, from her performances, it's usually like pretty restrained. Yeah, which I have to I have to assume is due in large part to like what a good chemistry these two have yeah. together.
1: From seeing what we have of the actors in amy's movies i think you can like feels like you can assume that she's been really good about work learning how to work with actors and yeah. like really finding giving them a chance to like actually be actors and yeah, not just like she
0: definitely gives that vibe because the performances in her movie do tend to have that kind of ease yeah yeah that yeah, she clearly gets better at as yeah. she goes.
1: Cause yeah, I like watching this movie, it just looked like everyone was having so much fun. So
0: much fun. It's like hard not to get wrapped up in this movie because it like it feels like you're kind of just like hanging out with some fun friends. Like it's kind of a blast. Yeah. Especially like if you're like us and gay and all your friends are like fucking over the top. Right. Like I'm
1: not like that's I,
0: the only speed we have.
1: I love that. That was like one of the things that I was like young me would love this is like how weird my friends are.
0: Yeah, right? Yeah, compared to vampires, not that weird, it turns out.
1: No, I'm like, I, I've definitely, these are some of my friends. Yeah. The old Romanian grandfather is kind of my favorite, and I just, like, yeah. want to be best friends and with Malcolm him. And Malcolm
0: McDowell, like, yeah, old knitting vampire is just, like, I don't know, just immediately I hilarious. Speaks
1: to my soul on a level that I didn't know could And, like, of course,
0: if you didn't sleep, like, if you didn't, you know, if you were a vampire, like, you'd have, you could of course you could have a lot of time to knit yeah (laughs) if you had been alive for 600 years think of
1: all the hobbies you could have
0: i know you could be so good at so many things
1: how many books could you read i know all of the books oh immortality sounds horrific
0: but also also. i could finally read all my books i wouldn't i would just buy more books yeah and not still not read them but i would have a lot of books <laughs>
1: i would have a library i would definitely have collected
0: i think library. it's so funny that i you and i both do this we'll buy i mean you read more physical books than i do i always buy physical books and then i do not read them i basically only read audiobooks yeah because i don't have I, my adhd will not let me sit down and read a book maybe if i was like on the treadmill or something i could do that but
1: yeah I, yeah
0: I can't I can't read a book
1: hey I'm switching over to Kindle because they have a dyslexic friendly font now oh and that's been really nice because like also you can adjust the spacing so I can like oh, nice. actually get it yeah plus now with my now that I' have an iPad I can like have a bigger book which right. is right
0: yeah not tiny little not screen. tiny little screen yeah but yeah. I think the the youth thing is especially prominent for women, right? Yeah. Because it's sort of like, especially if you're a woman in Hollywood, you sort of lose your power after like, you know, 30, 35, right. 40 maybe. And then you basically aren't allowed to work again until you can play like a grandmother or a mom or, a, you know, maybe yeah. transition into playing moms. But like, it's just so i don't know it's so it's so strange and sexist and i think this movie is also in in part alicia silverstone and amy heckerling like saying goodbye to their own yeah youth and kind of a little bit their careers because like yeah heckerling doesn't really make movies anymore and i mean alicia silverstone is still around doing stuff but not really not in the same way yeah yeah this actually is the last movie she made
1: oh is it
0: so it definitely feels like a bit of a send-off it
1: definitely does
0: to like her film career
1: yeah and i mean what a great note to go on yeah
0: right I guess it looks like she's directed a bunch of TV episodes, Gossip Girl and some other stuff since then, so.
1: The way that this movie handles time is really interesting for the same reason. Yeah, And, like, I love all of the, like... History like bits that they do where they like rewind times totally, totally living in the same space for like yeah, where they show you like
0: what it was like in various eras. Like it's a little cornball, but like in a cool, interesting way. Yeah.
1: As someone who loves that kind of history, I'm like, yes, please,
0: please. yeah. I, I love seeing like what the city used to look like, I love that stuff, and with New York too, like. Right. That There's so much history in New York. It's, yeah, pretty amazing. It is pretty
1: amazing. And it was like, the way time moves within the story is also kind of interesting because we have like kind of this sense of it's very rapid, like, it seems very rapid and very quick, but also there's enough time for Sigourney Reaver's character to go to Spain and come back. Right. So, like, we can see that there's this, like, at least some passage of time, even though at the same time it feels like we are...
0: Feels like it maybe happens in four days. Right. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I thought it was weird. I thought it was cool.
0: It does have an interesting relationship with time that way. I wonder if that is intentional or yeah. just weird writing. Yeah. Because this movie, like, I don't know. It's not amazing. Like, it's good. And the script especially is, script is fucking phenomenal. popping. I, there's there's jokes, like, all, all over the script. It's really good. But, yeah, the execution is maybe a little <sighs> muddled. And the plot, I still don't super understand the conflict. But it, it was a good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you don't really have a villain in this movie. Yeah,
0: the villain is like the government, government which I mean, rad, right cool. on, I fair. Mean, yeah,
1: but like, yeah, there is. It's a very conflict light. Yeah, movie.
0: It, it definitely does feel. Some of the reviewers said that it feels kind of like more like a sketch show or a sitcom about vampires than it does than it does a movie. Yeah, which is fair.
1: It feels like this was originally written as a television show. Yeah, it
0: definitely does feel like at one point it was a television show, and then it just had to be cut down to a movie. Yeah. Or maybe it's just because the thing that Amy Heckerling has always done is make movies, and so it was just easier to get that kind of project made.
1: Yeah, yeah. That could Either of those could
0: work. This movie feels very much like a proto What We Do in the Shadows or also like a sort of a response to like the British Being Human series yeah. about like, you know, supernatural roommates. Yeah. Definitely. It definitely feels like there was a vibe at the time of kind of let's take down horror movies and like horror culture a little bit.
1: Yeah, I see that.
0: Vampires, like... Taking the whole monster thing and kind of, like, breaking it apart. So,
1: I think we can trace it back to Twilight, unfortunately. Because the books came out in the early 2000s.
0: I mean, very much, I feel like this could be a response to Twilight, to, you know... Oh, you know, what other movies in the genre is, like, Zombieland. Yeah! Which is sort of a horror-comedy thing, which is around... This same time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's just in response to the like 80s and 90s kind of like schlocky horror thing. It could totally be. Because like in the 80s the thing was like cheap VHS horror horror movies. Right. And then in the 90s it was like slick commentaries on horror movies. Your screams and your Final Destinations and whatnot. Uh, You know what you did last summers. And then yeah I feel like maybe after that we sort of got... Like, it was almost like post-post horror.
1: Yeah. You know, to the point where we were like.
0: We weren't satirizing or making fun of horror anymore. We were just like making horror movies where comedy also happens. Yeah, we're not horror movies in this sense, but like monster movies. Yeah, where comedy also happens. It
1: does kind of feel like a resurgence of like the classic monster movies, which I'm.
0: Yeah, it does feel like a little bit like Monsters or yeah, something. Yeah,
1: which I really love. And it, or the
0: Adams family. family.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely it tells, it feels like there's Adams family blood in all of these things yeah. we've been talking about. yeah Yeah. i just like there's so many funny little touches in this movie
1: the way they pop
0: rats like capri suns they just like little straws in them and they're just like casually drinking out of a rat
1: it's It's amazing
0: fucking hilarious and then there's a spit take (laughs) (laughs) at one point where alicia silverstone like spits like fake blood and it's so thick that she, it's just like globs everywhere, and it's like running down her chin. It's <laughs> fucking disgusting and hilarious. So, like watching this,
1: watching the movie last night, I like didn't quite get it. I thought it was really fun, but I was like, wasn't really getting it. And uh. took until we watched the trailer this morning that I was like, it's camp. It's, it's camp. camp. Yeah, it's kind of like totally which like it kind of sneaks up on you in a way and you have to like but i was like as soon as i recognized it as camp i it became so much funnier totally
0: and i feel like yeah from reading some of the reviews you can kind of tell that like some people um (laughs) didn't didn't pick up on the camp sort of cartoony over the top yeah thing be as being on purpose right and we're just like who are so these, these characters so blown out it's like
1: because you don't trust that a woman can actually do a good job. Also, in thinking, like, you know, Amy purpose. Heckerling
0: has been making movies at in 2012. Like, Amy Heckerling has been making movies for 30 years. I think she knows how to, like, write a good character. Right. She's written six movies by this point. I think she knows how to write, like, an interesting developed character. She's not just dumb.
1: She has, uh, like, you can see her work and character work through her early stuff. Like, as Ridgemont High and Clueless are really good character studies and are, like, really well executed. Yeah. So being able to see her, like, have fun with how she builds characters is so fun. And just adds, like, another layer of enjoyment to it.
0: And if you kind of also, like, if you read this movie... In the context of her career, kind of knowing whether or not she knew this was going to be her last movie. I feel like she kind of knew this was going to be her last movie. Because it very much has the feeling of like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to make a movie that I have fun with. And I'm going to get my all a bunch of famous friends together. And we're all going to make a fun movie. And I don't really care if it's good or if you like it. But I've been making movies for 30 years. I'm going to make this fucking weird vampire thing.
1: Right. It feels very much like I'm making this for me. Right. You can enjoy it if you want. You
0: can enjoy it if you want. It will be here for you if you want to, but I don't. It, this is for me. This feels like this was for me and Alicia Silverstone to hang out and rope Kristen Ritter into it because she's hilarious. She
1: is so funny.
0: And apparently. That was their first cat. Like, it was always going to be Kristen Ritter.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Stacy is probably my favorite character. The whole, like, baby vampire thing is kind of something I would never have thought of. Yeah. And I think it's such an interesting take. Totally. Plus, I always have a soft spot for girlfriends who come in and destroy a happy rich family. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: that is pretty great you know anytime we can break up a, a rich family and distribute those resources uh but, good
1: but let's talk about the character arc of uh fucking fuck what's his name uh the dad the dad van sean helsing wallace. uh wallace,
0: wallace. wallace sean, sean. I'm like, i know it's not sean wallace
1: it's really nice to see that having that take on like the overbearing father to like have him like realize and grow and change and turn to a supporting person is not something we don't always see and which I think is really done really well yeah and like like with the last scene of him playing peekaboo with his grandchild who's got the like (laughs) weird vampire mouth right right and it's just like
0: but and yeah from going from wanting to stake Stacy because she's too pale and she doesn't like garlic or whatever to, like, you know, trying to help her become human at the end. Yeah, it's a really interesting arc. It's so cute. I, I love it. And she- Wallace Sean, Like, man, the fucking A-list cast in this movie. they are so Alicia many so At Sigourney Weaver as the, like, vampire queen. Amazing Sigourney Weaver is so good. And especially... I love her in these kind of like powerful, like woman yeah, yeah, with authority yeah. roles. Oh, like, she does it so, so good. well. Richard Lewis, Wallace Shawn, Malcolm McDowell. Like, this movie is stacked. Also, Todd Berry, for you comedy fans out there, Todd Berry is the vampire in this movie. It's real fun. Anyway. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, and again, you can tell, like, everyone just seems to be having fun, and, yeah. like, they're, like, I get to hang out with my friends. Right,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's, like, we get to hang out with our friends, and also, fucking Malcolm McDowell's here! Did you, we got Malcolm McDowell! <laughs> and he also, he just seems to be having so much fun. He's, like, relaxed, and, and yeah, yeah, the performance is, like, really fun and jokey. It's Fantastic! The comedy bits in this movie are are so, so beautiful. Good. Like the little, the jokes. Like a country, it's just business <laughs> from the Dutch East India Company to the slave trade.
1: Woo! <laughs> oh, I l-
0: from your mouth to God's ears.
1: Right? Oh, so good. God, that was so funny. Wait,
0: can't can Time Warner just burst into someone's house and kill them? Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs>
1: Glad to see Time Warner was a villain back then and still now. Oh,
0: so you know the thing about cable companies? Cable companies have formed effective monopolies where they don't compete with each other. They basically (laughs) just, like, carve out a line where on this side of the line there's one coverage area, on that side there's the other. And then technically they're competing for the same market with, you know, heavy fake quotes around that. So they're not technically monopolies, but because they're effective monopolies they can charge you as much as they want and they can treat you however they want because you literally don't have another choice you can't go somewhere you have to move to get another cable provider which just isn't an option especially because now in the fucking capitalist end times there's only four cable providers really yeah. so you basically have you know you have your time warner you have your charter you have or your spectrum or whatever they're called now And, you know, you have your, like, your Viacom or whatever, and, like, your Comcast. That's the one I'm thinking of. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right? Like... Yeah. And they're all, like, they're all big, giant corporations who make billions of dollars every year. They don't give a shit about you. No.
1: No, but they control everything.
0: Control everything. And because we don't spend public funds on infrastructure, it takes a big corporation like that to build and install cable lines. So it's like, well, they have to make a billion dollars because they got to install all the cable lines. Like, well, I bet the government could do it a lot cheaper if they weren't out for a profit. Anyway, communist rant over.
1: I feel like my phrase for this year is this is the bad place. Yeah, I just like. This is the bad place.
0: We have been rewatching The Good Place and this is de- this is the bad place this is the bad place we should talk about how the original dracula is kind of about the fear of immigrants in particular the fear this part you're gonna love in particular the fear of eastern european immigrants (laughs) as a couple of east you know descendants of eastern european immigrants i think we really i came i wrote this joke the other day that like the primary product of poland is is exporting poles to other (laughs) countries
1: (laughs) oh boy you
0: have some shit jobs you don't want to do hire a pole we'll do anything (laughs) It's better than farming in Poland, said every poll ever.
1: <laughs> True. Yeah, I, oh, I had never thought of it that way. Of course it is. Right, because it's like, like makes total it's sense. about,
0: yeah, a guy from Eastern Europe who like comes over and he doesn't belong here and he preys on our women. And yeah, it's totally about, yeah, it's totally about like immigrant fear
1: isn't it lovely how deep-rooted our racism is
0: yeah it's really scary that like you scratch literally anything and under the surface it's, it's just all it's all racism all the way down i yeah i mean like historically like you know especially eastern european immigrants have always been sort of demonized like i mean that's part of why like it's kind of a joke that we will do your shit jobs and it's more of a thing about like we kind of have never fit in in communities and we also have not been great at establishing our own communities unlike, say, the Irish and the Italians and etc. Like, I feel like you don't have Little Warsaw like you have Little, little, Italy. little Italy and other yeah, places. that's
1: true. I Like, we spread out a lot more and yeah. tend to be...
0: Which I think drives the fear, Yeah, right? Because when you have a community that is not segregating itself when it's trying to infiltrate you know your own like whatever right. pure society or whatever that makes the fear stronger you have to root it out you have right. to try and you know find the weeds everywhere and rip them out yeah rather than just like you know the chinese were over there in chinatown we don't have to worry about them because right because they have their own space which is you know racist in its own way but maybe less perniciously so yeah i don't know Maybe not. Maybe, I yeah, just to see it that way because, like, that's the way it's affected us historically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense.
0: Because, like, there's always that thing about, like, you know, the Jews are secretly running everything. And it's, like, that's because they are a villain who effectively passes as white but can be considered non-white for the purposes of triggering white supremacists. Right? Yeah. So you get to have basically, like, an invisible villain hiding behind every door... Who can pass anywhere as, like, a a regular human being, which is also where the fucking lizard people shit comes from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the lizard shit really pisses me off. So, something that I forget about is how, like, Jews will never be considered right. Like, we will never be part, like, we will never be accepted. Right. You know, like, there is always that undertone, no matter what. Because in a lot of people's eyes... Jews are only white when it counts, and they can oppress more visibly diverse groups. Right. And erasing all of that, and having these conspiracy theories that continually come through and have, like... Because, like, it's never... The the anti-Semitism has never gone away. It has just changed. Yeah. And, like... It's
0: just elites and bankers and media and globalists now. You go
1: from vampires to lizard people, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's this... It's still there, and it's... (sighs) I've been especially mad about it this week because it was Holocaust Remembrance Day in the last, like, week or so. And the fact that people are still denying the Holocaust ever existed is one of the biggest reasons and one of the biggest faults of why our country is like it is. Yeah. Because we don't learn from the history if we ignore it. Right. And literally, we have been here before. Yeah. And you let six billion people die the last time this happened. Yeah. And no one's catching it again. Yeah. And for what?
0: Yeah, you're right. Because we refuse to learn actual lessons from history. And I think as a country, we've decided that, like, instead of, oh, this is an interesting analogy. Oh, I just, have I just, have I just unlocked something? Here we go. I may have just unlocked something. This just occurred to me. So if I'm out of my mind, ignore everything I'm about to say. I think as a country, as a global, you know, policy, Mm -hmm. and also interestingly, this is the part that just occurred to me, as like an individual masculine culture, like Mm -hmm. specifically as it applies to men, we've decided that instead of learning about things, instead of investigating things... We're just going to punch them until they stop making us uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, instead of learning about communism, instead of learning from the lessons of fascism and learning from the lessons of xenophobia, like, instead of doing those things, we just punch them until they stop moving and say, all done, we did it. Now we don't have to think about it anymore because it stopped moving. And it's like... No, no, you haven't solved anything. You've just more effectively ignored the problem. You just made ignoring the problem easier. Which is like, I mean, the same thing about, you know, fucking toppling legitimate governments in in other countries. It's the same thing. It's like, well, this thing makes us uncomfortable and frankly it causes instability and that makes it harder for us to make money. So let's just destroy the whole thing and start it over because that... Maybe it also applies to process.
1: how we, even on, like, a more local space of, like, how we teach our children and have schools to, like, look at right. the bill that just passed a committee in Florida where they're trying to ban, teach about uh, queerness as a concept to kids. Right. Like, can't even speak about it. And, like, just taking away every opportunity for everyone to collectively learn and be part of a bigger community. Right. Because...
0: Because yeah because because rugged scared. individualism yeah.
1: yeah which is
0: and yeah because it's more uncomfortable to like confront ideas and have like real honest debate about them than it is to just like ignore it and put your fingers in your ears and go tra la 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 until it stops happening
1: do you think that's why we also don't trust scientists
0: yeah for sure definitely and i think because as a country we don't collect we don't uh, believe in anything that requires collective action no we don't which is why like we don't believe in social safety nets we don't believe on spending money on infrastructure we don't believe in you know uh, college educations or healthcare or you know yeah. like any anything or climate change that was the thing i was thinking of it's like it, because it requires collective action we don't care yeah We've decided that climate change is about individual people buying fucking plastic straws and, you know, businesses using compostable, like, takeout containers when that ain't it. Like, it's Exxon, it's Shell, it's, you know, BP, like, they're destroying the planet... Individual action is never going to do anything, but we've decided as a country that individual action is the only action we're interested in. Yeah. We'll Which is ha- also why we get excited about presidential elections, but no other elections, because we don't actually care about coming together as a community and making things better. We just want to, like, point at the shiny man with the good hair. Anyway, except with the exception of the orange guy, because he's terrible and he looks like a fucking hot pile of orange shit. Anyway, go ahead. Your thing. <laughs>
1: This is going to be a wild turn, but I but hold on. Uh-huh. So, I think a reason I love this movie so much is because it has such a strong sense of community. It and a does. such such a strong sense of like looking out for each other and like working as a collective because like you have this whole community you have like even with like their little what is it the sanguines anonymous or whatever yeah you have a community where they're supporting each other and like have a something to grow and build from and then to be able to lean on that community when you are feeling persecuted from the government and when you have you know it it's you know as a queer person is definitely something that i can relate to in a way that totally speaks to me in a really strong way yeah
0: i have in my notes that this movie is also like a pretty good analogy for being gay yeah and for having to come out like when you know t- towards the end of this movie that both characters sort of revolve around a relationship and both characters end up coming out as a vampire yeah. to the person that they're dating and then you know afterwards there's this like new lightness yeah. this feeling of like being able to be yourself which yeah. is like absolutely a hundred percent what it is like to come out yeah where you've spent all this time hiding and sneaking and trying to pass and then suddenly you especially for a lot of us it is a partner that you want to date and who says like i'm not coming in the closet with you like you need to come out it happens to a lot of us yeah and you know it, it does it like it totally like lifts something from you that made it are impossible to, like, live a real life. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Which this movie feels like it really captures. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I I totally agree. The lightness in Goody after, especially after she comes out and, like, is able to, like, reconnect with this old flame is amazing. And definitely, it really does illustrate how weightless you feel after you come out totally it's like it's
0: like you've literally been carrying a weight on your shoulders for years and you didn't realize it
1: and the cool thing about it that i've found at least is it keeps getting lighter yeah like i keep coming to terms with something about myself or i like cement my queerness in my own body in a way that makes me that makes me feel more seen or whatever and it just keeps getting better yeah and as a teenager I could never imagine yeah like that weight of being in the closet is
0: it's terrifying. exhausting yeah yeah
1: but yeah this movie does a real this is a really good gay analogy and I didn't think about it now it's making me even more happy
0: <laughs> and I, especially like that's why I'm certain this movie is camp on purpose because oh, absolutely. it's pretty clearly a gay allegory and feels crappy that you didn't just actually make a movie about gay vampires, but I I get that this movie was like already a step out onto a branch also, ten years like, ago. So
1: also ten years ago is still a, ten like, years
0: ago is a long time. I was gonna in, say in isn't gay like progression terms. We had
1: jo- we might not even because twenty twelve is when. Uh, no, 2013 is when is um, equal when marriage. When the Gail
0: Bergerfeld decision. Yeah. yeah.
1: But like, and I think because Gen Z has been like incredible and like has just been, has decided to be like, we're out, we're loud, we're proud, and like taking back that energy, which I am so here for. <laughs> yeah. I think something they take for advantage and I've been seen talked about a lot in older queer circles is. There is this slight, not like, not on purpose, disrespect for queer elders, but like, not realizing how amazing it is that you have queer elders.
0: Right. Because, because they don't appreciate that we didn't, didn't have
1: them. That. And they don't necessarily, because our history isn't taught in schools, right. it's not something that, like. Yeah,
0: I certainly didn't learn about the AIDS oh, pandemic in high God, school. God, no. Not and at I all. And I certainly didn't learn about how terrible it was and how intentional the like lack of care and you know like funds were right it was an active effort to destroy our people
1: slight happy news on that end though uh the hiv vaccine is going into human testing
0: that's amazing yeah i
1: just saw the headline today (sighs) i know
0: wow Wow. Yeah. Just like literally started crying.
1: Yeah. But like,
0: because like you people, Gen Z, I mean, like, I hate to be a fucking old lesbian lady, but like, they don't appreciate that like 30 and 40 year old gays, we're the elder gays now. Right. Because all the 50 and 60 year old gays are dead. Yeah. Like 10, 25% of them made it. And like, it's like we grew up without having the structure, without having the. Role models that they have.
1: And, like, I hate to be this person, but, like, listen when we talk, because we've been through some shit. Yeah. I, like, we... And
0: just because things are good now, now doesn't mean thing, we, we, things were good when we grew up.
1: It is night and day, working with kids.
0: It's night and It's day.
1: night and day. And there's a weird sense of jealousy that comes with it. <laughs>
0: totally, I Like, I, I get will that. totally
1: own up to that. Every like,
0: time I hear a story about... Like, a nine-year-old trans girl. I'm like, God fucking damn it. Why couldn't I... Why couldn't somebody have helped me when I was nine?
1: Right. Like, my life could be... Like, it's a jealousy and, like, a regret for all that fucking time. Totally. All that,
0: like, lost. Not lost, but... But,
1: like, misused time. misused
0: time. And it's
1: just, like, to be able to be who I am today, I have fought, like, fucking hell. Yeah. And I... Have I have fought like fucking hell, and I am still fighting. Yeah. And, and
0: like, how many people have we lost? Like, how many relationships do yeah. we not have because yeah. of who we are?
1: Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> it's one of the hardest things about coming out, and I think that this movie does a really good job of illustrating is how it can change your relationship with people yeah how you become more aware of how people see you right and
0: because for your because you can't not
1: right yeah it you just can't not you notice the changes you notice the patterns and stuff and like you can see it even in the most well-intentioned people like they definitely they, they still look at you differently yeah and they don't. It's that I'm trying to understand, but I can't relate. Right. Kind of look and
0: and a lot of that is because of the lack of representation and the yeah. lack of role models.
1: And so, like, we're not gonna tell you to not sleep around and not have fun. Like, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying, watch out for the creepy old guy who's right. been staring at you all night, or that you are worth a fucking fighting for, yeah. or that. You know, things get better. I hated hearing that as a (laughs) kid. And I hated hearing it as a baby queer. But they do get better. And, you know, it's hard.
0: Like, another way that this movie is, like, definitely about being gay and the experience of queerness, you said this earlier, is about the, like, community aspect. Yeah. I feel like that is a thing. Ooh, I don't know why. This is a thing I have to cry about. I definitely think that's a thing that straight people take for granted about queers is that we are fundamentally community builders? Oh,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: there's this theory in evolutionary biology that is like not 100% supported by data, but I think it's interesting. So here we go. That because homosexuality exists in like basically every species of like complex complex life, vertebrate life we've ever studied. Which when something is that common, it points to either a very early mutation in The collective history of all beings, Mm -hmm. which is possible. Or it points to a selection, an adaptation for that trait to be passed on even randomly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: so the theory goes that because gay people because homosexual beings are unable to create their own children they're not concerned with their lineage they're not concerned with the success of their children it's their job to be concerned with the success of everyone's children because as gay people i mean like now it's the 21st century we know whatever the fuck we want but like we can't have kids so the way that we can leave our mark on the world is to improve the community around us, is yeah. to lift everyone up around us because we don't, we're don't, we not concerned with only lifting up our family. Like, our family dies uh, with us. Right. So I was say, we may as well help everyone we can.
1: We find family more than we stay with family. Right. And we find those who make us feel safe and make us feel like we we find all the other weirdos and we make right. sure everyone is taken care of.
0: Like the vampires in this movie. Right? Like, they, like They're all weirdos and they're fucking nuts and they, you know, kill people, but like they, they stand up for each other and like they get together and they work collectively when something threatens them collectively. Yeah. Like that's what gays are good at.
1: Yeah. Because... We've only had each other to rely on. Right. And I think it's definitely like, I think it gets strewn into straight media and straight brains a lot of like what our collectivism is pride is yeah. just like parties and drinking and all but, because that is the representation that has been shown. Right.
0: That's just like. The tip of the iceberg that's right the loud bright part of it
1: right where you know how many queer families are you know six people in a duplex and or like the commute the queer the earth down the street from us who's right. you know wonderful organization who you know how many people are living there and that's a family right. and like
0: well like and how many gays do we know running mutual aid groups and harm reduction yeah. groups and all of that stuff because like that's what we do.
1: The world of nonprofits is so weird <laughs> and you know it's it's part of our history and it's something that I think is so rooted in us as a community f- because of where we started totally and,
0: and also just like the setting of a support group <laughs> like I mean I think I am blessed blessed. Pfft. I think I am lucky in that I've never had to go to a support group for anything, addiction, right. for example, or whatever. But the only, like, the only like group therapy, like support group thing, like that I've ever done was for trans people. Yeah, like it was, it was in my shitty small town. Like we had a, you know, there were no, no therapists really. There was no nothing really but we had like this little support group in the basement of this church and yeah every time i see a support group i can only think of yeah our little our little gay our little gay hangouts in in basements are all across the this nation
1: i love it i yeah
0: anyway we should move on from the gay stuff we've been talking about gay shit for like 20 (laughs) minutes
1: i have a lot of feelings about i forget how queer i am
0: sometimes
1: (laughs) like how like because of my transness i forget how hard my queerness identifies with me as well because i don't think i've celebrated that part of me as much as i could be
0: totally so this movie has like a classic like we don't approve of your girlfriend conversation uh-huh and it's played for like a racist joke like the you know the joke is like you don't like my girlfriend because of the color of her skin uh <laughs> which you know is funny but like this is a conversation that goes on all all, the time. all over the place And, like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's race. And, you know, uh, again, like, going back to the gay thing really fast, like, sometimes it's, you know, the gay thing. Like, a lot of times for a lot of us, you bring home that first partner what have you done to my child and right the first partner is the fucking enemy because they have done something terrible to your child yeah um which again is kind of what's happening here but yeah and also like in this context it's kind of a classist thing it's a lot of like you know a lot of these like we talked about recently like a lot of manners stuff is just like classist gatekeeping And a lot of this, like, we don't approve of your girlfriend stuff is just like, well, we have to make sure that we keep our rich people money in rich people hands. Yeah. Which means you're only allowed to date and associate with people of our class because, heaven forbid, we help the poors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like... And it's like, I mean, I don't want to... I do not, under any circumstance, want to empathize with rich people, but... The struggle of rich children, whose fault it is not that their parents are monsters, is interesting in that, yeah, the privilege insulates you yeah. from sort of part of the experience of being a child. The, yeah. The rebellion a little bit and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah,
1: I think I really I really like Joey's character, right? Joey's the... Yeah,
0: Joey Van Helsing, yeah. Yeah,
1: I really like Joey as a character. I think, I, you know, as uh, the child who fought back against, like family standards and you know uh, was really refreshing to like see it done and like one be funny and have that chance to be like yes thank you because, like, some, Joey has some of the best lines, I yeah. feel like, that are just, like, these throwaways that I can't pull any off the top of my head right now. But but I also, like, the having him have, like, showing him having a freak out moment when he finds out something and then taking the time to uh, realize what he feels personally right. and, like, not necessarily what his family feels. And, like, yeah. having the ability, like, showing that it's not an easy transition and that totally. it doesn't have to be an easy transition. Yeah. But... But
0: you have to try. You
1: have to try. And, like, how much happier are you because you did? And, and because like, you
0: expanded your horizons right. in this way.
1: And, like, I always appreciate privileged kids expanding the past.
0: And, like, so. that is also kind of a runner in Amy Heckerling movies. It about, is! Like, they are very much about, like, people from small worlds trying to break into a bigger world. Or the virtue of... taking in a lot of of input from the world around you. Which I
1: feel like is very teenagerhood.
0: Totally. You
1: know, it's very much that, like, especially, like, that 16, 17, 18 of, like... Totally. I am a different person. I am not the same... I am not a child anymore. You're not quite an adult yet. Right. But, like, you are... You have come into your own as your, like, first... It's your first software update. You yeah. You like, uh-huh. you're finally ready to run your whole program and, like, right. start learning on by yourself. Yeah. But, like, it's... That's, like, the first time that you really get a chance to push boundaries and to push away your your circle around and i think it's i think amy really does an amazing job of illustrating multiple ways that happens and like has it as a constant runner in her movies
0: totally yeah and it's it's nice that that's like that's really a virtue in her movie yeah is is not is like it is never to the bad In an Amy Heckerling movie, when you, like, learn something from another person or, learn another person's perspective, it's always good, which is fucking amazing. It's beautiful.
1: I really want to watch something that she's only written and to see... I want to compare it to a different director to, like, see how her writing goes with...
0: Yeah, no, I don't think she, it doesn't look like she has written anything that she didn't direct. She's produced a bunch of stuff that she hasn't written or directed. The third Look Who's Talking sequel, etc. We are also um, next month, next month, this month? Next month. February? Yeah. February's bonus episode is Loser, which is another writer, director, producer, Amy Heckerling movie. Is it? So, yeah. Nice. Um, so that'll be another one that we can, we can talk about her. Cause She's I'm not like, ready to
1: definitely like, about. I wasn't expecting this to happen, but she like, definitely has like become one of my favorite directors.
0: Yeah,
1: Like, I really love her work and I really think it's just like colorful and fun. And it is. I relate to her stories a lot more than I was expecting. Yeah. And it's been really fun to watch a bunch of them.
0: Totally. Yeah, I kind of was not expecting it to be so much fun. Yeah. Like, there were parts of this year, this season, that I think are going to be really interesting and really fun. And this was, like, this... I kind of put Amy Heckerling at the beginning because I felt like Clueless was really going to inform all the other movies we yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about, Clueless and Fast Times. So that's mostly why I put them up front. And honestly, like, this has been some of the most fun watching movies I've had is yeah. these Amy Heckerling movies.
1: Yeah, I Vamps is definitely now, like, a, it's going to be, like, a comfort yeah, movie. it's in the
0: rotation now. Yeah. Like, it's funny <laughs> it, as hell.
1: It, it's so, it's just, like...
0: It's dumb. It's dumb. it's funny as hell. It,
1: like, it gives me, and it gives me that sense of community that totally. I, like, especially yeah. in this goddamn city where there is, feels like it's nowhere. But, like, it, you know, it gives me that sense of community that I always long for.
0: As much as, like, all these Amy Heckerling movies are about, like, expanding your horizons and learning from other people perspectives it's so glaring that there are no people of color with speaking lines in this movie yeah it is especially like clueless is great about that like we have a couple of black main characters and it's awesome but thinking back on it they're kind Kind
1: of the only ones
0: and they're kind of tertiary in terms of the story yeah and fast times has no people of color and this movie has a couple, but they're all just, like, standing in the background. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love these movies, but they are very, very white.
0: Yeah. It definitely feels like Amy Heckerling kind of has that problem in general. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, gosh, yeah, I mean...
1: I think a lot of these, like, fundamental... "Quote unquote fundamental like level movies that we're doing because like I think even, like to the all through all the John Hughes movies and they're also extremely white yeah and,
0: and like, the Cameron Crowe oh, movies. movies yeah
1: and like." I representation matters fucking representation matters a boatload as we just talked about with all the queer stuff and I it goes triple for people of color and yeah I it's infuriating that our media has been so fucking white for so much of our life yeah because like it's just irresponsible and it is so awful and I I just it just gets it's boring. Yeah,
0: it is. Honestly, it's like I don't know how white people went so long not getting perspectives from non-white people. Like it seems so boring. Like even I as like a 13-year-old in an all-white town, I was looking around at people going like, y'all know this is weird, right? I'm this is weird that we all have the same perspective. I don't like it.
1: Right. Yeah, no. I I I don't understand I, I guess fe- fear, people are... Fear.
0: Have... Fear's a lot of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I... Fear's a nasty bitch, but you gotta work through it.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Fear's one of those emotions that we don't teach about and need to teach about.
0: Totally, because so often it just comes from discomfort. Yeah. Like, for example, we have a husky mix. She's a very sweet dumb gentle dog and all she wants is like to be hugged all the time she's the sweetest gentlest dog in the world she's afraid of everything she yells at everything but it's just because she's a pandemic puppy she's not experienced a lot of stuff and like everything is confusing or overwhelming to her because she's spent the first year of her life having never seen a bus or been in a grocery... Like, been in a store. So, like, all of that stuff is overwhelming. And in the same way, like, being a white person and being confronted with the fact that, like, there's whole other parallel cultures happening at the same level of your own that you haven't been able to see is overwhelming. Yeah. And, you know, the realities of go, that go along with being a person of color is is overwhelming. And it can be easier to just, like... Respond no, right. to it with fear and distance yourself from it as much as possible.
1: I totally agree with it and have nothing to add.
0: <laughs> also, I don't... Since we're talking about the race stuff, I just kind of want to stop down and talk about this fake Tanner thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got to talk
0: about the I, bonds It's... So, at some point in this movie, after the conversation with uh, the Van Helsing parents about how... They think that Kristen Ritter is a vampire because she's too pale. She um, goes on this like crazy self tanning regimen to try and become less pale. And she ends up full brown face. Like by yeah. the end, it's like full on like a uh, minstrel show brown face. Yeah, it's it is. pretty disgusting. And I kind of feel like this is a bit in movies a lot like i feel like i've seen this bit before yeah and i kind of feel like it's an excuse to let white people do blackface or brownface and get away with it like i don't look i don't want to believe that everything comes down to racism But the history of this country has taught me that... It comes down to racism. If it could possibly come down to racism, it almost certainly does.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely feels like it's a move. And, like, I feel like... Yeah, like like you said, I feel like I've seen this bit done more than I'm comfortable with. Yeah. And it just, like... Yeah, I... Yeah, it's probably the racism.
0: And it's so funny because, like, this is a thing, like, that white people want to, it's kind of skin color appropriation, right? It's, like, white people want the beautiful skin of non-white people, but without any of the, like, backlash that comes from actually being non-white. Yeah. So, like, we just want to have their skin tone, but we still want to be white for all of the things that count. And also, like... What, when, when we want to we wanna be fancy, we curl our hair, we fake tan, like, who do we know that has curls and dark skin, like...
1: Yeah, yeah, I... And I mean, all you have to do is look at the evolution of the Kardashians. Totally. And fucking Ariana Grande, and...
0: Okay. And the Kardashians are Armenian, which, like... We can talk about whether Armenians are white or not. But, like, again, that's one of the stupid things about race as a, like, racism as a concept is that, like, whiteness doesn't exist. It's, right. But it's a gradient of whiteness. Like, do we trace it back to fucking Indo-European roots? Do we trace it back to, like, is it based geoc- like geographically on right, where you live? Because right. if we're basing it on Indo-European roots, then technically, like, Indian people are white. Yeah, right? So, yeah. Anyway, anyway, we got way way off track. This happens a lot. I'm sorry.
1: My note when I was first trying to figure out like figure out this movie is just is this movie extra cheese?
0: <laughs> it's pretty cheese, yeah. It's,
1: it's pretty cheesy. But once again, once you realize it's camp, it makes a lot more yeah. sense. Yeah.
0: It's so funny cuz like I don't yeah, for the first few minutes, it's like or for the first little bit, it's like kind of hard to figure out what's happening but like having viewed the whole movie i don't know how you could not read it as camp like wallace sean tiny nasally ridiculous wallace sean playing an investigator slash vampire hunter like that in itself is a hilarious joke
1: yeah like
0: that in itself is camp it's amazing there's a scene in this movie where in order to turn a woman and keep her from dying, a vampire bites her and then cuts his abdomen and has her like, and she like sexily drinks blood (laughs) from his belly while the bed is spinning around and we're watching it on like a spinning camera gimbal around and around this hotel room. It's so, so camp. It's I love
1: it. I Which, oh, by the
0: way, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. We were like so practically good. on the floor.
1: Oh, it was so good. I feel like you can compare this movie pretty well to the Hairspray.
0: I was thinking that too, of yeah. Like,
1: you know, you have... It's got the campiness. It's got the queer vibes. It's got the poorly talked about race issues. Right. Because, like, you're close because you have so many Eastern European vampires in this mix of family, like, this vampire community. Yeah. But... You're so close. Yeah. You're, like...
0: But then they have, like, two vampire stems, like, they're vampire lords or whatever, that are supposed to be from non-white places, and neither of them speak at all. Like, they have an African stem and a Turkish stem, and neither of them speak a single line.
1: No. No. It's ridiculous it's it's one of those it's so it has to be on purpose which is it's like so bad it's a has to be on purpose kind of thing i
0: think it truly is just the like pernicious and unexamined racist history of hollywood
1: yeah that could totally i be think it.
0: it's just like a byproduct of all the people in this industry who've historically been successful have been white. Yeah. All the people, you know, the the generational wealth is all in the hand, you know, and yeah. the, the nepotism is all in the hands of white people. And, you know, there have just always been fewer, fewer places for non-white actors in Hollywood and therefore fewer, like, fewer parts written for them or the other way around. Right. Whatever, cultural influence and stuff, but... I, I truly think that it's just that Hollywood that the the media industry yeah. hasn't truly done this again, hasn't done the self examination on its racist background, on the racism and the the xenophobia that's sort of endemic in that industry.